Montecast, three wiggly facts on mealworms. The mealworm itself is a sort of yellow-brown cylinder with six tiny legs right behind its head. Mealworm metabolism can be slowed down by keeping them in the refrigerator for a few weeks, up to several months. Mealworm larvae thrive if they have a sufficient supply of food and little moisture. Some crumbled breakfast cereals such as Weetabix and a small slice of apple or potato will keep them happy. Another Montycast next week. Welcome to the Wiggly Podcast from the Wiggly Sofa. And there's a little sprinkling of snow. And I'm joined today by... Farmer Phil. And... Monty. Well, I'll be. Ricardo is not here today, but he will be back very soon, despite Simon Sherlock's worry that I've given him too much free time. He has actually left the building, sort of, but he'll be back to make sure that we're kept in order doing the podcast and doing whatever Ricardo normally does. So, this week's show includes Farmer Phil and myself having a little walk up to the woods. We've also got a shout-out for Mr Beacon and we have a whole experiment to do with live mealworms and that's why Monty is sat on my left all decked out in his class boiler suit ready to go and feed the birds. Monty, how many times do you reckon you've fed the birds since you started your job, which you've only been sacked from once? (laughs) Although that Um, was fairly serious. Well, about 20, 25. And would you agree that mealworms are the birds' favourite food? Mealworms go really quick, and then wiggly seed comes second. Good boy! Excellent! Peanuts, beefy. Mm. <laughs> Niger doesn't go down quickly. Niger. Niger seems Doesn't it? That's because we haven't got enough goldfinches. Anyway, off we go to the Wiggly Show, the first one of... Now, is it 2009, 2009 or 29? Your age, Heather, 29. 2009. Michael? It's 2009. Oh. Anyway, OK, 2009... First show of the year, The Wiggly Podcast. Today is Mealworm Day. It's Mealworm Day at Wiggly Wigglers because there's this sprinkling of snow and birds love mealworms when it's cold. And we've got loads of reviews on mealworms. Farmer Phil, can you read one out? I can. Uh, this is from Catherine Jackson, and it says, I've been buying mealworms for the last two years from you. If I don't put some out on the bird table by 8am every morning, the blackbird knocks on the window <laughs> with her beak and chirps like mad for them. It's great to watch, and I have a separate mealworm feeding tray for the robins, so I know they get their fair share. Niger seeds are also a super buy and attract finches who just love them. Thanks to Wiggly Wigglers for such a good choice at a reasonable price and fast delivery. Wow, that's a great one. Here's the next one that says we're rubbish. No, I'm only joking. Here we go. I've been receiving mealworms for ages now, says Alec Newcomb. I do recommend that you feed your mealworms before you offer them to the birds. I put them in a large bowl and add cut-up apple 
potato. Oh, a wren's just come to the mealworm feeder just then. <laughs> Live on radio. I put them in a large bowl and I add cut up apple, potato or carrot. And they also love old bread. Wait for it. Oat cakes. These are their favourite. In a day or two, they are twice as juicy and tasty for the birds. In my tiny garden last year, we had three birds' nests. It's well worth adding, too, that when it's wintry like this, if they can't get at any water, the mealworms provide them with moisture, just as we've commented that chicks only live food and that is their only source of moisture. If everything's frozen solid... Don't forget to let the birds either have mealworms or access to water that isn't frozen solid. Or both. Or both. Here we go. Last one. From Catherine, starting there, Monty. My blackbirds and robins just love them and arrive every day around 8am for their favourite treat of the day, sharing them gracefully. It's fascinating to watch. So there we are. So yesterday, I went and put the mealworms out, and before I went... There was very, very little sound. I put the mealworms out and there was an orchestra of birdsong. It was fantastic. So here is our experiment. We're going to go outside. We're going to listen. I don't think there'll be much about it. Monty's going to get the mealworms and then we're going to go back outside and see if there's any difference. So here we go. We found the most wonderful entertainment for Noah. And it's the live mealworm feeder on the window. And he sits inside and the birds are outside. So it's perfectly safe. And he paws at the window looking disdainfully at them. And I can't work out who's watching who. It's like a sort of a, a catty TV. version of Big Brother, isn't it? TV. It's, sort of, it's like reality TV for cats. Yeah. Right, come on, let's go outside. <laughs> Okay, Mont, so we've got all the mealworm feeders here. So I want you to go and get the mealworms and put them out. So uh, let's go and get them. Just going to the fridge to get the mealworms. Morning. 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 Happy New Year. And you. And a good one for you. Thank you. We're just going into the fridge now. Morning, all. Just on a mission with podcasts and... We're just going into the bridge to... We're in the fridge. Just going to get a container. Do you know what? It's warmer in the fridge than it is outside. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I said the other day. Why is the fridge warmer? There's a pine wagtail. Have you realised, Mum, that down here... You can't hear the birds as well. Let's get them put out. Then we'll have a listen. I'm just putting them... Okay, so we've got a really steep-sided wiggly container. Bit of snow in it, so I'll clear that out. It's really important to have steep, smooth sides, whatever you use, because mealworms are renowned for their crawling abilities but they cannot call up those sides, so they're fine in there. Okay, so I'm clearing out the dish. It's just got a bit of snow in it. So if you want, just put some in there. That's it. They can't crawl up the sides. They're in there now. Oh, one of those has turned into a beetle. That's unusual. I see a few of those. They're the larvae of a flower beetle. 
So if they ever get into your larder, that would be bad news if it was warm enough because they would oh, get in the flower. So it's important to keep them cold and they can't move around and pop them out as soon as you get them, really. And I'll just get to the window one. Just do that one. This is right where they're recording the podcast. Pop them in. Okay, Mont, and if you carry on and do your job in all the other containers, we'll come back out and see what happens. Come on, dogs. Oh, it's cold out there. It's not warm. But what an exciting occurrence happened yesterday. Farmer Phil came into the kitchen and announced an invitation that I've never heard before. And it went like this. Heather, would you like to come for a walk up the woods, he said. And so off we went. So you could get a photo of the frost. That's right. Well, it looked great on the trees, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Still does. Here we go. So, listener, I told you it would happen, and it is. Farmer Phil is going for a walk. (laughs) I'm following, obviously, three or four steps behind in my fitting role as wife of Farmer Phil. In fact, he's now known as Mr Heather Gorringe, so I don't know why I'm following him at such a dignified distance. Well, Farmer Phil, what's going on? Well, I'm pleased to say I've just opened the gate with my latest gate latch on there. Ridge is vaguely stringy. And the weather is cold, freezing, just, and it's foggy. Which is actually, I'm going to go and try and take some photos because all the trees and the hedges look as if they've been dusted in icing sugar. Hoar frost. Yeah. Well, it's, it's where the fog's frozen on them. And they, they look glorious, don't they? They do look pretty stunning. Now, listen, we're going to review the year now in about five minutes. Right, that'll be interesting then. And uh, so it's a year of credit crunch, or as we like to refer to it, carrot lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and I just brought with me my um, old mate's article in the Farmer's Weekly Matthew Naylor, and I just thought you should uh, read out Matthew's reference to the, the credit crunch and how his business is restructuring and rethinking. But, oh, Matt, he's obviously on form this week. But anyway, his, his assessment of what to do in the credit crunch goes thus. We are bravely squaring up to these challenges on our own farm. We have totally restructured our management team to guarantee maximum efficiency. Below our MD... That stands for my dad. (laughs) We have allocated responsibilities between a production director, a head of human resources, a fleet manager, a technical director, an engineering and special projects manager, a commercial director and an operations director, a head of communications and a finance director. To keep the salary costs down, dad will be performing the first four of these roles and I will be doing the other six. We just need to toss a coin now to see who makes the coffee. A very sound assessment, and he actually sums up the whole situation that 
It is a relief to be self-employed during a downturn. The main consolation is that you are unsackable, <laughs> which is a, a feeling that I can totally <laughs> emphasise with. Yeah, well, at Wiggly Wigglers, you know, we are having, you know, the effects of the credit crunch just like everyone else. So we came up with a novel idea, which was that throughout December, instead of employing anybody temporary, uh, that we would say to the girlies and the boys... Would you like some extra hours? And then in January, you can have a bit of time off. And, and so that resulted in the whole lot of us spending the whole time putting orders together. Saturdays, Sundays, Monday nights, you name it, we put orders together. We even had Ricardo on orders. On that note, we must say good luck to Ricardo because he's starting a little new chapter of his life well it is he's restructured himself it was quite a shock to me yesterday when i went into the office and he was tidying his desk ridiculous and he's he obviously said, ill he said why are you i said why are you tidying your desk rich you've never done that before he said i'm emptying it out well, i said oh <laughs> because he's going to work from home now so you'll still be on the podcast he's still director of the company but we wish him well because he's going to do other things as well as wigglers now if you are secretly a television producer or a radio producer, I think he is heading for a career in broadcasting. You will have to make sure that you have a longish TV or radio slot to accommodate him, though, because <laughs> he will use ten words where one will do. Copy. <laughs> now then, what about your year, Farmer Phil? Are you glad to see the back of 2008 as we walk up through... These gorgeous... Well, what was this path for? Well, this is just where all the water runs down, which has probably made it deeper. But actually, originally, this was probably where they extracted the timber out of the wood. So that it would have been... Where it's steep, they'd have called it a timber slide. But they would have touched the timber down the same tracks all the time. And this is probably one of them. And it's covered in oak leaves covered in all sorts of leaves. And this is an oak leaf, isn't it? Yeah, and you'll see, um, you'll find tracks of them where the badgers collect them up in their mouths and carry them back into their badger sets. And a few too many here to see the tracks, but certainly at one of the sets down by Preston, you can see where they've carried the leaves across the road, and you'll have a, a line of leaves across the road where they drop them. Right, now hold on tight, dear listener, because I'm going to climb now. I'm going to climb a badger set. Am I? Ow. We're going to look in the hole. Come on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, hang on, I need a bit more grit. Okay. That's a rabbit hole. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the badger? How do you tell then? Well, the badger wouldn't fit in there. Where's the badger the hole? The badger hole is up above where you see all this detritus has been pulled Ooh, out. Oh, come on. And you see he's got several entrances. Oh yeah, here we go. Oh, listener, I do take you on some trips. Okay. We're leaning right in the hole now. Now, he's probably not using that entrance at the moment because it's nearly full up with leaves. Right. But he'll probably be more likely... That's therefore not the main entrance to the set. There'll be another entrance, probably the one to our left, underneath yeah. the roots of the big tree. Right. And he'll be using... That one at the moment, I would have thought. Now, will he know we're here? 
you'd hear the movement above ground. Ground transmits noise quite effectively. Right. And what is he doing? Oh, I expect he's slumbering now. It's, it's slumber time for Brock. So he doesn't take food back to eat? Does he eat out? Or... He eats out. Right. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. you know the River Cafe shut until yeah. the 4th of February. <laughs> yeah, so you'll be eating in. I will. And um, so how many of these badgers will live in here, do you reckon, in this badger set? Could be as many as 30 or 40. It's a biggish set. Yeah. And there would be an extended family group in there. And are you worried about us getting this close? No. If he's got TB or... No, he hasn't got TB, I know that. But badgers are shy. They, They won't... They'll only hurt you if you really annoy them. I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of maybe the disease. No. There's no TB in this set because if there was, our cattle would have it. And they haven't. What's that noise? I think that's my good friend and neighbour, Mr Pugh, coming to combine the sunflowers. <laughs> On New Year's Day, listener. <laughs> but at least Farmer Phil couldn't do it, because his combine was broke. Right, here we go. Now, it, picture the scene. I'm up the bank, and there's no foothold, so if there's a quick wallop, you'll know why. Here we go. Oh! Oh! <laughs> there. Big, big stride, Phil. <laughs> So anyway, back to 2008. Well, from a farming point of view, we were promised volatility, and by God, we had some, didn't we? The price of wheat has halved. The price of oil doubled. Ah, wait a minute. It also doubled. Ah, well, it doubled in 2007, remember? Right. So that within the 2008, it halved, and during the same period, the price of oil doubled and then halved. The price of fertiliser trebled in some cases and is now back on its way down it's like riding a roller coaster and the weather well all the weather did was rain all year every day bar wiggly open day <laughs> it was cold it was wet and even between the rain there was no drying the ground has been saturated pretty much since july so getting to the nitty-gritty cattle have done well the cattle have enjoyed the quantity of grass and the price of beef is good. Yields in general weren't bad, it was just the cost of achieving them and the cost of drying them having got them. The quality's not very good. When you say the cost of drying them, what do you mean? Well, when we harvest them, we have to dry them down to 15% Why? moisture. Because the rules of engagement with those who buy them say so. And well, I suppose I don't want wet bread. Well, the, the real thing is so that it doesn't go rotten or mouldy in store that's the that's the point because rot and mould in store will be no good to the animal or human who eats it afterwards but of course in some cases we were combining wheat at over 30% moisture so that the cost of drying that has been quite extensive we had an electricity bill for the summer for £12,000 and that's just that doesn't include the gas that we used to dry it that's just the electricity to run the fans Oh, I'm glad it wasn't a house, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so 1,200 acres and essentially two people. Can you make a living? We can make a living, yeah. Because oh. a lot of people would say, you can't. You know, I've read plenty of articles by uh, my old mate, actually, <laughs> old Matt, that says, you can't do it, you know. And I've heard plenty of people say, you know, there's no way you can make a living from... A thousand acres, and definitely you need upwards of five thousand. 
Well, that depends on where where you you how expensive your wife is. Well, that, the, definitely how expensive <laughs> your wife is, and also what what you call a living. I mean, we won't have lost very much money, but we won't have made very much money for the last few years, and that's purely because probably I haven't played the volatility as well as I might have done. And it seems that each year we that passes by, there's some lash up or other goes conspires against me, but. I think what Matt means is that nowadays there's no room for error. You know, it used to be that if if you mucked up a crop or something went wrong or the weather messed it up, that wasn't the end of the world. But nowadays in farming, and even with the larger farms, one or two weather cock-ups or lash-ups can be the difference between making anything at all or not. And that's the problem. And also there's a lot of farms that are not investing in the future because they can't afford to. Is that you? To some extent, yes. There was a time when we used to change our tractors for new tractors and now we don't, that we're looking for goodish second-hand ones and things like that. There was a time when we would be looking to build buildings, whether they were grain stores or cattle yards, although there's no way I can build any buildings at the moment. But time will come right when I get it, you know, I can't claim to be doing it perfectly. There's plenty of places I can see for improvement. So, but we'll without wishing to, you know, be rude, you do not make the profit that equates to your subsidy check. No, and so therefore the onus is on me or farmers in general to actually get the message across that the reduction of subsidy is important and vital, but the price of food has to go up commensurate with that, and that's where the nub of the problem is. Or that'll be the foam. Okay, so the weather's been your main issue over the year. What about the highlights? Highlights of the year? Um, Completing harvest at all. In about a couple of three hours we might just manage it, so that'd be good. Well, you haven't done it in the year, have you, because it's New Year's Day. Well, I suppose not. I'm sorry, but is that the first year you've ever not finished harvest? We did, one year we did give up on 10 acres of grass seed so it never got combined. So I suppose that was the only other occasion that we didn't combine what we set out to combine. Right. Yeah, I mean, there haven't been many highlights this year farming-wise. It's just been an endless, persistent struggle in miserable weather. We've had no sunshine and it, it doesn't matter if it's all gone wrong. A bit of sunshine makes everything seem a whole heap better, doesn't it? Definitely. There are not many highlights <laughs> this year. <laughs> Well, let's have the wiggly highlights then, because those, of course, are numerous. Well, we won the Dell Award, which we were very pleased about, but our year has been very, very fluctuating. So we've had a lot of problems with stock issues and and actually physically getting product out of the door has been quite challenging, shall we say. Mm. But uh, all in all, I must say that I am looking forward to next year. Even if it's going to be a bit of a difficult year sales-wise, I think that now we all know that that is the case, adjustments can be made. And I particularly am looking forward to, at the end of this month, the end of January, moving in to a clean, dry warehouse that has got the most amazing piece of concrete I've ever seen because I am sick of mud. There is a phrase around these parts that is used for such years as 2008 has been, that when farming times are a bit arduous and it's not going quite right, the phrase is that it's character building. And I think 2008 
my most optimistic I could describe as character building. What about you, dear listener? If you've had a brilliant year, why don't you let us know? And why was it good? I heard a chap on the radio who said he had a great year because he was selling holidays. There's always exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> Annus Horribilis, goodbye and welcome to 2009. Now let's go and take this photo before actually what happens is that we're snowed in. Because now <laughs> it's snowing. Just a little bit. To the more astute listeners amongst you, you may uh, notice a continuity issue in the middle of that recording, which no doubt Michael will have done his best to recover. But what actually happened was that my phone went, and it was Chrissy <laughs> Pugh on the combine. He was inquiring as to why there was no sunflower seed coming into the tank of his combine. And on investigation, we discovered that part of the combine was frozen solid so that no <laughs> seed was going to come into the tank so after an aborted start hopefully we'll have another go today but that is what the hiccup was in the middle now hello to mr beacon louisa sent an email in saying hi heather can i have my annual shout out to my husband mr beacon the man with the two-wheeled tractor oh dear that caused a bit of a hoo-ha last year she says, I can't believe a year has passed. Our walled garden is coming along. We managed to turn about two-thirds of the acre from brambles and nettles into a veggie plot. As with everyone else, the biggest battle has been the slugs. All 50 bean plants of different varieties were eaten. Hopefully, Santa got the Wiggly Wiggler catalogue so we're ready for battle for next season. This is the bit I like. Our first priority for clearing the garden was our bellies. So we made a mud oven to keep hunger at bay while we fought the triffids. A three-day job. We dug the clay from our mate's wood and then set to work. We had to make the outer layer in one day, so some homemade cider helped us as we worked into the early hours. However, it was all worth it as we sat down to our first fish supper. I'll try and post some photos onto Facebook over the Christmas holidays, including the patch-up job, when it started to crack. But she sent me some photos of making this oven out of clay. What a palaver. Yeah, but they've got their priorities, right? Absolutely. Alcohol and food. Never mind digging the flaming thing. Now, we had a present from Ricardo over Christmas, Phil. And you took to work on it. I did. He gave us some cod. And I cooked it, with your assistance... But we made real homemade fish fingers, homemade breadcrumbs, the whole malarkey. And you made dauphinoise potatoes. I did. And uh, we had some peas with those, and they were just a jolly job, weren't they? Delicious. And if you want to find out more about Ricardo's Facebook group, you must go to Facebook and then go to the fishing garden. And you will find out on the fishing garden how I made the fish fingers. Oh, I say. Until next week, dear listener, we wish you well from Wiggly Wigglers. We're looking forward to a much better 2009. We've decided it's called 2009, although 2010 will be there, but then will 2011 be then? I don't know. But in the meantime, have a lovely time this week and tune in next week. If you would be so gracious as to give us a review, we would be very keen to read it out because we're stuck at 51 reviews. We haven't had one for months and months. 
It could be 2K9. Bye. That's bye from me.